0: Hi, this is Laura Hedlund, and Food Freedom Radio is going to be back next week. But this is our third pilot of the People Power Hour. And we've got a great guest in studio today, State Senator Erin Murphy, whose website sums up the entire point of this People Power Hour experiment. A better politics is possible. A better politics is possible. And in studio with me is co-host and um, activist, Shay Hansen. And, Shay, this three-part Power Hour um, experiment
1: was basically your idea. So tell us about why... You wanted to do this. Well, um, I'm convinced, um, just based on the history of uh, our democracy, that um, people will uh, come out and defend our rights, and um, we want to make it – and offer some suggestions to how and why that could happen, and get people excited about it because it is exciting. Uh, we're in the brink, I think, of r- a real breakthrough for progress, and uh, I want to be a part of that.
0: I love that. I love your positive. And one of the things you want to make sure that people are aware of is that um, there's a special election in the first congressional district, which of course was Tim Walz's district, and that people can be in vac- active in that. So tell us about right. that. Right.
1: That's something that's just come forward. Um, Uh, Of course, they – you know, the first district in our – flipping the first district has been Republican is kind of dismissed. People say, oh, that's a red district. Excuse me. That's where our Democratic governor came from, this exact seat. And I don't have the figures probably exactly, but uh, in 2020, the – uh, Democrat lost by I think only about 1,100 votes. So uh, so that district is definitely in play and I'm really excited. It's a new volunteer opportunity because Vote Forward which is an organization nationally that sets people up to write letters into districts to uh, particularly important targeted um, voters. Uh, they are doing, launching a campaign into the first district and uh, they're going to be two waves of letters and The first are downloadable now. You can get started on it now. They are targeting um, uh, voters who are reluctant voters, we call them, but they lean Democratic. The letters themselves are nonpartisan. They have found out through experimentation that that is the most effective. And in participating in this, you're not only going to flip the uh, first congressional district, but – they're, this is part of their labs uh, of Vote Forward. Um, they do experiments to find out what is the best way of writing letters and best approach. And so you'll be participating in that, too. And um, so what you do to get signed up is go to voteforward.org. That's V-O-T-E, then F W D. Abbreviation for forward dot org, and they'll set you up to do that. Uh, you put on the stamps and the envelopes, and they uh, set you up to download the letters and. And for put people who don't person, want
0: to phone call or bank, it's letter writing. It's another way. So oh,
1: you can do this and watch Netflix at the same time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Erin Murphy, um, does that people power make a difference when it comes to elections?
2: Of course, it makes a difference. It is the seminal difference in elections. Uh, We often think that elections turn on incumbents and, you know, who's in power and money. But I was raised to believe in our democracy, and every election is ours, the people's, to decide with our votes, uh, with our voices, with our organizing. And the power of the people are the ones with our votes right now uh, and into the future, if we have anything to say about it. Um, which will set the course uh, through our election process. Who represents us matters. And yes, people power is, of course, not only the right way for us to set the course for our future, but it is the way that we are building a representative government, one that serves the people. So it's really critical.
0: And so Erin, give us a little bit of your personal background.
2: So I I am a nurse. I'm a registered nurse. Uh, I was a I was an operating room nurse both in a rural hospital in Wisconsin and then here at the University of Minnesota. Uh, and I chose the operating room uh, for a lot of reasons, but I worked here at the U because I wanted to be a part of the transplant team, which was uh, a really important milestone for me in terms of my early career. I am still uh, a registered nurse. i still licensed. I teach uh, at St. Kate's in the School of Nursing when I'm not uh, working as a legislator or being a mom or doing the rest of my life. Um, I, I grew up in a family in southern Wisconsin that taught me that politics was really important. I would often stay inside at my grandma's house. I have so many cousins. I come from a really big Irish family. And they would play outside at night, but I would stay inside with my relatives where they played cards. They played a, gar- a card game called Euchre. And uh, it was a a feisty, competitive game, and I would usually perch uh, on a a stool on the corner of the table. I'd mix my relatives their drinks. That was my penance for staying inside and watching. (laughs) And I would listen to them talk about uh, what was happening in the world or in our community. And with their actions taught me that this was something really important. So even as I entered into the practice of nursing, I started volunteering on campaigns, never ever thinking that I would run for office, uh, I practiced nursing. I worked for the nurses' union for a number of years as an organizer. Uh, I was a lobbyist for them and eventually their executive director. And while I was in that role, I took care of my mom at the end of her life. <clears throat> and my mom, like so many people, um, really wrestled with a health care system that didn't want to provide her care. The insurance company was blocking some of the important care she needed, and she had a really bad cancer. She only lived about 11 months after her diagnosis, and I spent a lot of time taking care of her and at her funeral Really, at the Irish wake, my auntie said, you should go home now and fix the health care system. And so I decided to run for office, and I got myself elected. I wasn't a good candidate in the beginning, but I had dear friends who are still with me who helped me, pushed me, taught me how to do this job. And it turns out that I both like it and I'm good at it, and I'm really glad uh, to be a part of uh, the Minnesota Senate now and serving the people of Minnesota.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, I would uh, underscore that you're good at it. Uh, you are tireless, absolutely tireless, and we uh, value you so much. Um, so, Well, one thing
0: I, I, I thought of that, too, is cause this is Paul Wellstone's birthday, and, um, and we recording this on Thursday. But politics is not about power. Politics is not about money. Politics is not about winning for the sake of winning. Politics is about the improvement of people's lives. And that's with your story with your mom.
2: You know, I believe that so deeply. Uh, and Paul Wellstone, for so many of us, has been uh, an instrument, a beacon. Uh, he's still with us, of course, in so many ways. And I often talk with people about uh, how I believe in a politics that is meant to improve people's lives. Um, and I believe that more now than when I was first elected. I think it's more important now than when I was first elected because our politics is steering so away from that. feels like it's much more a power game between parties Uh, who want to hold power uh, in office rather than serving the people of Minnesota. The way this last session ended is a proof point of that. I'm very, very frustrated with my Republican colleagues who hold the majority in the Minnesota Senate as they essentially sat down and let the clock run out uh, on the last hours of this last session where we should have been doing the work of helping Minnesotans, and instead they were serving themselves in a future for the next election.
0: And talk about how some of the state legislators, some of the proposals would have improved people's lives in Minnesota. What, what got held back?
2: Oh, well, everything got held back. Uh, there was very little that we actually got done. I'm proud to say that I was the author of the Frontline Worker Pay uh, legislation along with my colleague Cedric Frazier. And we pushed for more than a year and a half to get that done. But we did get that done and funded. And today, I believe, is the last day that people can apply, the 22nd. Uh, it's the last day that people can apply for that. We uh, estimated there would be 667,000 Minnesotans who would apply. More than 1 million Minnesotans have applied for frontline worker pay, which I think is a signal to us that people are hurting financially. We know the costs of things are higher than people anticipated. Uh, And they're worried about that and they're frustrated by that. So when I think about the things that got left behind, a tax bill that would have helped people out uh, with costs because we would have put some money in people's pockets, Uh, a public safety bill that would have provided for the tools to make sure that we're fighting crime in communities across the state, really significant funding for our public schools. And I think when we zip ahead now by... A month and a half or so, we're going to see schools starting for our kids, and there aren't going to be enough educators, there aren't going to be enough bus drivers, and that will be because of the failure of this last legislative session and the Republicans in majority in the Minnesota Senate. Uh, Nursing homes, group homes, uh, hospitals, all suffering from worker shortages. And when I hear the word worker shortage, I think about wage shortages. And we could have done important work across those critical industries to make sure that worker safety, worker protection, and worker wages were improved so that we were recruiting and retaining the workers necessary to do that fundamental work that we're counting on. All of that got left behind for the people of Minnesota. And the thing that really bugs me is the legislature really does rely on people's word. Um, It doesn't work if you give your word and you break it. And one of the last things that happens every legislative session when we are negotiating is there's an an agreement reached, and it's between the Speaker of the House, in this case, Melissa Hortman, the leader in the Senate, in this case, Jeremy Miller, and the governor. And they reached that framework. They were going to put $4 million into tax cuts, $4 million into spending for nursing homes and schools, and $4 million into the bottom line to make sure that if we enter into a recession, that we're protected against a budget deficit. Jeremy Miller signed that term sheet. He shook hands with those partners he talked to the media and to the people of Minnesota and said, this is our framework, we're going to get it done. I was taught when I go to work to do my job. As a legislator, I do things this way. I, I work very hard and I, I leave everything that I've got on the field. I work until I win or I win for the people of Minnesota. But in this case, I think Jeremy Miller left everything on the table and walked away from the people of Minnesota. And that's why we didn't get a deal done and after we adjourned and there was a call to go back into special session, he said the terms of that deal expired when the session was over. And if we want to do anything, we're going to have to start over. And I'm telling you what, Minnesotans are really upset about it. I was just down in Winona. I hear it at the doors. I hear it from people at events. They understand that we didn't get our job done, and they know why.
0: So you're listening to People Power Hour. Aaron, State Senator Erin Murphy and activist Shay Hansen. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And how do we get a trust economy? And how might start? It does start with flipping the Minnesota State Senate. You're listening to People Power Hour. Welcome back. I'm Laura Hedlund, and Food Freedom Radio will be back next week. But this week, we're doing our third pilot of a People Power Hour. Very pleased to have in studio with us, State Senator Erin Murphy and activist Shay Hansen. And we'll start with Shay. Shay um, one of the reasons you really wanted to do this is, is, is you know that we can flip the Minnesota Senate.
1: Well, that's my conviction, and I, it's a great segue because Erin has set us up to see that. Um, we are getting nowhere with the obstructionist Republicans. And the only solution is just knuckling down and taking the Senate so that we can get something done and show uh, Minnesotans that despair is is not necessary. Um, so uh, but. Uh, I don't know, maybe. So I believe that we are poised in a position now to be able to take the Senate. Um, but uh, I'm interested in what Erin has to say because, of course, she's on the inside and, uh, you know, sees the details. So do you think it? there is a possibility of uh, taking the Senate of enough districts that we could earn the, I think, four seats that we need in order to overcome the Republican um, majority?
2: I don't just believe it. I know it. Uh, and I'm so glad for the question. Uh, we got new maps. Um, this is a redistricting year. So we got new maps on February 15th. Uh, 37 of the districts, 37 of 67, favored Joe Biden in the last election. So we know, uh, given this map, that we have a path to victory. In addition to that, we have incredibly strong candidates. And I, I just I can't say enough about this, especially in a year where people know there's a lot of, of rancor and there's a lot on people's minds. And the political junkies of the world all want to say it's a midterm, so you can't win. And despite that, very, very strong and committed people decided to run for office so all across the state, we have an incredible slate of candidates who are working incredibly hard in their own districts. They are leaders in their own right, uh, and they are standing up for the people and making commitments to them that they are going to do the work for the people of Minnesota if elected. We we knew that because it was going to be a hard year that we had to do our work as early as possible. So we started recruiting early, so candidates have been on the doors. We just we just passed the threshold of about 120,000 doors knocked uh, here in the state of Minnesota already. Uh, we raised money early so we could put staff on the ground early, which we've done. We've done a lot of work to modernize our campaign. Uh, there's a fair amount of relational organizing going on in these districts, but the most important thing uh, that I want people to hear from me is that we can absolutely win the three seats we need Um, And if we are successful, and when we are successful, we will win a pro-choice majority in the Minnesota Senate. Every one of the candidates who decided to run in the seats, especially where we're contested, are pro-choice candidates. One member, a good friend of mine, who has served in the Minnesota Senate for years, Kent Eakin, has decided to retire. He was our last anti-choice member. So not only do we have an opportunity to take a majority, but we have the important opportunity to win a pro-choice governing majority, and when we do that, we will take the necessary steps to make sure that reproductive freedom is accessible and in law here in the state of Minnesota.
1: Excellent. Um, I, I, let me think here now. Um, we uh, There are s- several uh, districts. Uh, of course, what happened was that uh, the um, uh, redistricting commission set up by the Supreme Court um, came down with new lines, district lines. and because of the migration to the urban areas and particularly the suburbs, um, uh, uh, the uh, the lines set up um, in a lot of, in a lot of areas. It tended to favor somewhat the Democrats. Now, I will say that they didn't favor him so much that the Democrats can sit back and watch it all happen. They favored it only enough that if we get out and really massively work, it's there for us. But uh, I wonder about um, uh, also other... Um, factors that might play in other than redistricting for instance uh, demographic changes uh, young people moving into the suburbs uh, more diversity moving into the suburbs have you seen that this is also uh, you know factor that's going on and making the senate uh, available for us so the first thing I want to say is uh, I want to echo what you said, that we can't
2: just let this come to us. We have to go earn it. And that's the case in every year. We have to earn the vote. It's like trying out again for a team, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got to try out for your spot, and we need to earn the votes of Minnesotans. I would say we also have to earn the trust again of Minnesotans. And so how we lead really matters. Uh, there are a lot of demographic changes happening in our politics, as you said. people are moving and and we 're seeing many more people now living in the the urban core and in the suburban districts, fewer people living in the far reaches of our rural parts of the state um, and That does shift sort of the dynamics of of how and where we campaign. Uh, But I'm really proud of the fact that we have strong candidates all across the state. We're running a statewide campaign. It's just with 64 candidates rather than one candidate. Um, So we are running a a strong statewide campaign. And that is important, right? We need to be talking with Minnesotans all across the state, especially as we think ahead, wanting to win the hearts and minds of people who live in rural places. We need to be talking to them now, not just about this election, but about what we're capable of doing together into the future. The demographic changes that you're describing are district by district. I think the things that we try and pay attention to are the voting patterns of people who live in that area in the past. So we have looked at what happened in 2016. We've looked at what's happened between 16 and 2020. And then we're looking at the trend to try and understand are the people that live in such and such a district moving toward the Democrats or moving away from the Democrats And, and that is how we try to evaluate, like, how do we, how do we, who do we reach to? How are we talking with people? Um, where are our opportunities, our best opportunities to pick up those seats that we need to win a governing majority? And you will see both in the seats in the Iron Range. In the, in the regional centers, especially when I think about St. Cloud and Rochester and all around the metro area, there's like a clock practically of candidates running around the metro area and the suburban and near-exurban seats where we are competing and where we can win that majority.
0: Yeah, describe more, tell us more about the geographic um, areas. Uh, what seats do you hope to pick up and what areas should people be focusing on?
2: So I will, I will say, and, and I think it is important uh, to, f- to pick a place, um, like, there are so many places where we, as, as people who want to see some change, can put our time and our talent and our treasure. And I, I think it is smart to pick a candidate or two rather than try and do a little bit in all sorts of places. Um, when you volunteer over and over again for a campaign in a place, you become a part of their infrastructure, um, and that strengthens their ability. So there are so many good candidates, and the list is going to be too long to cover them all. So I'm going to cover a subset right now. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a real opportunity up on the Iron Range. And, of course, we all know the Iron Range is a place that's near and dear to our hearts as Democrats. It's got a long and storied history. We are losing two members, um, people who have decided to retire in Senator Bach and Senator Tommasoni, longtime Democrats that departed from the Democratic Party, the DFL Party, in this last cycle um, and then decided to uh, retire. So two open seats up there. We have a candidate named Grant Housechild who's running in Senate District 3, which is a part of Hermantown up the North Shore up to International Falls and to the west a little bit, and a candidate named Ben Danucci who's running in Senate District 7, which includes the west part of the range and Grand Rapids and some of the area next to that. He is deeply rooted in that community. He's the former mayor of Nashwalk. Uh He's on the Itasca County board. He owns a grocery store. He runs the newspaper. <laughs> he's very, very That's well known in both those candidates' People, can win. people,
0: people power hour. So we're going to take a break. We'll be coming right back. We're talking with uh, State Senator Aaron, Aaron Murphy and activist Shay Hansen. You're listening to People Power Hour on uh, AM 915. We'll be back with Food Freedom Radio next week. Oh. Welcome back. Uh, we're doing our third uh, Experimental People Power Hour, and with me is activist Shay Hansen. I'm Laura Hedlund, and very pleased to have in studio with us State Senator Aaron Murphy. And before we're on our break, we're talking about flipping the Minnesota Senate and how it takes people power to do that. We need activists. And so in, uh, let's talk about the map and what areas and how how is it possible to flip the Minnesota Senate?
2: So I know I talked a little bit about a couple of seats at the Iron Range. I'd like to come a little closer to the metro area. We want to make sure we reelect Eric Putnam in Saint Cloud. He's running a masterful campaign. He won just by about 300 votes in the last election. We need him to come back. Same thing with John Hoffman, who's running in the 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 Rogers Dayton uh, Blaine area of the of the city of uh, of, the, of the northern part of the Twin Cities. Those
1: need to be protected.
2: Yep, yeah, they do. absolutely. Um, but then. There are a number of places where we are challenging. Um, they're either open seats or we're challenging Republicans. So Judy Seeberger is running in District 41. Uh, she lives in Afton. She's the former city council from Afton. She's a lawyer, an educator, a paramedic. She's running for the first time for the legislature. She's running a beautiful campaign. That's a seat we can pick up. It's an open seat right now. The former member, Carla Bigham, is retiring Heather Gustafson is an educator who is running against Roger Chamberlain. She will be the next senator from that district. That district's gotten more blue. She is an amazing candidate. She's got a great sense of humor. Um, nobody's knocking more doors than she has. She's running a master campaign, and she's going to be elected there. Carrie Rayrauer is on the Coon Rapids City Council. She is challenging Jim Abler. This is another flip seat for us. That district, which is a part of Anoka, has grown more blue in the new map. She's running with Jerry Newton, who was the incumbent senator who's now running for the House in a twist. Um, but he's supporting Carrie Rower. She's proven herself to be an excellent campaigner. She's going to win that seat. Uh, I also want to talk about Liz Bolden, who is running down in the Rochester area. Um, she's running to, to fill the seat that's being vacated by Dave Senjum, and the MAP delivered a very blue district in Rochester. Liz Bolden is a registered nurse. She's a first-term member of the House. She's going to win that seat. So you can see right away that we have a path. Uh, It is a narrow but doable path. And every time I hear somebody say, uh, I don't know if you can win, I remind them of our path. But since the release of the Dobbs uh, decision, people have moved from saying, can you win to how can I help? Where can I help? And that's why I'm so excited to be with you today, because there are a handful of seats. There are great candidates everywhere. Um, but there are a handful of seats that I think are in strong contention that will deliver for us a governing majority, and we've got to pay attention to those seats as well as support our friends uh, who are running across the state.
1: I I can't help wanting to talk about... uh, uh Uh, The district that you talk about in Rochester, which is District 25, that's the top of Rochester, which became more urban and so more really um, safe for Democrats. But the bottom of Rochester got attached to a a rural area, and so the numbers came out harder for Alita Borag, who almost took that seat in 2020. If anybody can win that seat, it's Alita Borud. on that challenge, and I kind of have the feeling like everybody is kind of uh, you know coming to her aid because it 's so she 's so courageous and uh, and we really feel like her attempt to get out and talk to Uh, The rural areas talk to farmers who are uh, desperately needing health care and this kind of thing is really exciting. So I just wanted to give a mention and a kind of root for Alita Borg. It's District 24, the bottom half of Rochester. (laughs) Go ahead.
0: Oh, and Shay, I, I just want to also say, you've actually been driving down to Rochester and putting a sign over the.
1: I, I wasn't able to do it, but uh, I don't know if I want to admit it. But I, uh, I, I came to a place where, you know, there was just so much despair and I, what am I, I got to do something. So I invested in these. Um led light strips and i've made them into these 12 foot by two foot signs they're brilliant absolutely brilliant and beautiful and putting them up on pedestrian overpasses i would just mention that in the state of minnesota there's probably a lawyer out there that will contradict me but It isn't particularly illegal in this state to do that. Um, Probably if I do enough of it, they'll they'll make it illegal. But right now I'm having a great time, and uh, going down to Rochester is one of my goals. I'm going on the road with my sign.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let people vote was one sign. But so, Erin, one of the things, um, a lot of our listeners um, live in safe districts. And so how do we make these connections um, if people want to volunteer and get active in other campaigns? How should they even start?
2: There are two things that uh, that are important in this question, and I represent a base district like that. I, dis- I represent a district in St. Paul where there is high voter turnout, lots and lots of DFLers that live in that district. Uh, and I think it is important, one, that we pay attention to the districts that we are running in to make sure that we're turning out the vote. One, because it's the right thing to do, and two, because it helps people like Keith Ellison, Governor Walls. uh Julie Blaha and Steve Simon, with their reelections. So we have to, as you say on the airline, put your mask on first. We have to make sure that we're doing the job that we are um, saying that we want. we want. We want to be elected into the legislature in this district, so we have to do that work and turn out the vote. Then next to that, it is important that we choose a place and we bring our time and our talent. Help another campaign with their door-knocking. Help another campaign with their fundraising. But pick a spot. So pick Liz Bolden or Heather Gustafson or Carrie Ray Rauer or Judy Seeberger. Pick one of these other seats and give them a hand. And that is one of the benefits I think that we have in districts like mine, the one that I represent, um, that there are an abundance of people who want to help and we can deploy that help to other places. I love that you talked about Alita and I think it's important that we recognize that I'm talking about certain places where I think we've got a really good shot. But Alita, is one of those candidates who could win and surprise us. Just like we have one in Northfield and Clarice Graybaugh, there's a great candidate down in Winona named Dan Wilson who's running, and he's he's a farmer, and he's a brilliant campaigner. A woman named Carrie Dory who's out in Big Stone County who has been running and building community and doing that kind of relational organizing that brings people back to the fold. So, You know, we're talking about certain races here, but I do want your listeners to hear that we are working statewide. We have strong campaigns and candidates running statewide, and there's a lot of places where you can pitch in and help.
0: In 1990, uh, one of the reasons Wellstone got endorsed is because Rudy Boschwitz was, was the six million dollar man, which was a lot of money in politics back then. But there's no way anyone was going to win, and so Paul Wellstone won that when he wasn't expected to. And here's a, here's another quote from him: uh, "The future will not belong to those who sit on the sidelines. The future will belong to the the future will not belong to the cynics." The future belongs to those who believe in the beauties of their dreams. And that's the same thing I heard you saying, too. I've heard both of us use that word, the beauty of the dreams and this aspiration to improve our collective lives. It's our government. How do we own our government and how do we move forward in these tough times where we're actually facing the climate crisis, the crisis of our cultures and, 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 and create something that, that speaks to all of us?
2: The cynicism in our politics is not uh, a symptom. It is, uh, it is a choice that some are making to drive cynicism, to push us apart, to push us away from the tool that is ours, the election and our vote. Uh, and the answer to that rests with us. Like we have to thwart this cynicism. We can't adopt it for ourselves. And what I learned, especially in the race in 2018 when I ran for governor, is that when you campaign with purpose – um, rooted in hope and the belief in what we can accomplish together when we work together, fight together, stand together, um, that that creates momentum all by itself. It creates movement by itself. And when people see not just something that they want to do, but them themselves and the things, the future that they want embodied in a campaign, they come to it. That's how we build movement. That's how we make change. So cynicism, like cold water on a fire, Um, But a hopeful, purposeful politics builds the the necessary heat and fire and lift that we need to actually
0: make the change.
1: Nice.
0: That is nice. And there's a thread, another quote from Paul Wellstone. Successful organizing is based on the recognition that people get organized because they, too, have a vision. That's right. So it's not about, I'm going to convince you to come to my side. It's about, I want to listen to you, and it's like, how do we do this together? I see me in what you're doing. I'm going to join.
1: That reminds me of something that – uh, was a little message about people from safe districts, particularly in a city coming out to the suburbs maybe and doing door knocking and this kind of thing that um, uh, that it is important that they go through a little bit of training, because the message that's used in the inner city sometimes isn't the best one that uh, should be used in the suburbs. Um, Pam Neary from We Can Change the World alerted me to that, so I just thought I'd pass that along. I also think it is important that we
2: don't necessarily root that in just geography, Um, that when you think about 64 candidates running across the state, each one of us has our own personality. Each one of us are running in a district that has its own personality, its own needs. And if we're going to help another candidate, if I'm going to go door knock with Kelly Morrison, a doctor who's running for the, for the Senate and she's going to win, I want to make sure that I'm echoing what she's saying, what's important to her, because she knows best what's right in that district. So it's not so much geography as it is the fact that we all have something special to offer and we should all reflect that when we're knocking those doors with other candidates.
0: And I, I it just came to my mind something that Judy Barton with Health Care for All shared on the first on the second People Power Hour is that when they they have a booth at the state fair, they're pairing a person who may not know as much with a person who does. So you you work in partnership with each other because it, it does. You, you want to we can support each other, and yeah, you know, it's okay to not know. It is. It is.
2: In fact. One of the things I learned early in my practice of nursing is if you don't know, ask, because you can make a mistake. And I think we should practice that same thing in politics. If you don't know, yes, we can bluff. Yes, we can we can you know shoot from the hip. But that's not as effective as asking the question, saying, I'm not quite sure about this. Help me out. So you're sure and confident because that confidence in the answer, that confidence at the door says
1: something to the person
2: who's, who's engaging with you.
1: And it's all a learning curve for all of us. Of course. We, you know, we're all new to this. I had no idea that there were 67 Minnesota senators and that there were di- twice as many House members and that those were all nested in the – I didn't – it still drives me crazy that they have the uh, congressional districts start at the bottom and go up, <laughs> and then the Senate districts start at the top and go down. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, yeah so that's, you know that's <laughs> yeah. we do the same thing with tabling when uh uh people ask a lot of questions and tabling is so important because people we're out with the public able right there to answer the questions and um uh and so we pair together somebody who is pretty real familiar with uh answering the questions with somebody who's maybe newer.
0: So uh so we're going to take a break shortly and then we're going to try to connect this because this whole idea of people power and how we get active and and life is complex, right? Politics is very complex, but it does really impact lives. And you started with the story with your mom and the health insurance struggle that she had. And 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 we have this um we when think about our education systems, our infrastructure systems, all the things that we could be doing together. And so how do we As a people, come together and own our government? You know, how do we move forward? And so you're listening to the second annual, or the third uh, People Power Hour, and we'll be back um, shortly with our last segment. Uh, Thank you, Erin Murphy, State Senator Erin Murphy, and activist Shay Hansen. So welcome back. Uh, this is the uh, third uh, people, Power I, uh, people Power Hour, and we we'll are gonna be back with Food Freedom Radio next week. But this idea came up with Shay, and so I want to just give you give you a chance to talk in the mic a little bit.
1: I, I, people ask me a lot, are astounded, how I can be so positive about the future and excited about it. And I don't see how you can be anything else. If you take a look at American history, we kicked out one the biggest one of the world's biggest empires uh, in King George. We es- we established uh, uh, democracy. Yes, it was only for rich white men, but we eventually <laughs> added all white men. Uh, that we gave the vote to women. We um, uh, we freed the slaves, though so we did not stop oppressing them. We saw the the rise of labor unions, which uh, uh, led to the New Deal, to Social Security, environmental movements started. We uh, achieved Medicare, Medicaid, disability rights, women's sports, even AIDS attention, GLBTQ, civil rights, clean air, clean water, the Me Too movement. I'm not making this up we did all that and and none of it was handed to us people fought and died in many cases and and so I really feel a confidence that Americans are gonna step up they're gonna see the threat that we're facing now uh, the Crucial challenges that we have and uh, come together. Uh, we really need to achieve this uh, trifecta and take the Senate so that we can dispense with the blatant obstructionism that's going on in the Republican Party uh, I, um, and uh, and get on with showing uh, the people of this state the path that there is a really – uh, vibrant and, and improved path forward that deals with these crucial problems that we are facing right now. So uh, let's be positive. Let's all get together. It's going to take a massive effort to get the Minnesota Senate but We can do it, and Americans will, and Minnesotans will do it.
0: You agree with that, Aaron?
2: I do. <laughs> yeah. I know people have a lot on their plate. They're worried about the cost of gas and the cost of. Butter, I know they're worried about, you know, crime in their neighborhoods. Uh, They're worried about their kids in their schools. They're worried about a lot of things. And when you have that kind of stuff on your list, it's hard to think about uh, the bigger issues uh, that we all know that we have to contend with. So I'm hoping your listeners will add to their list. You know, they're going to Costco to find a good deal on the price of milk or gas uh, when they are thinking about how to make sure their communities are safe. I hope they'll also add to their list that they're going to pitch in and help somebody win this next election. The extremism that's taking over the Republican Party is really threatening to us. It's why we didn't get our work done this session. We need some change in the legislature, and it will only come from the activism and the work and the voices of the people of Minnesota. So find a good price on milk. Do all that you can do to keep your community safe. I'll do my part with you um, because I know that people are worried about that. But then let's plug in. And let's win this next election and make sure that we're delivering a
0: future for all of us in the state. And so what is the, our shared vision is um, we have a, an incredible I love the song. It's a wonderful it's a wonderful world. And I had Jim Emery on um, Food Freedom Radio a couple weeks ago and he was traveling around on a food injustice, uh, 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 justice and joy and how we find the joy in the tough times because you are right. It's hard to go grocery shopping right now. And, okay, so you can get some cornmeal. You can buy that from a local farmer. And there's all sorts of wonderful ways to make really cheap things with cornmeal, by the way. <laughs> I'm just going to get that. And if you grow food in your yard, there's no inflation involved. And you also protect monarchs at the same time. And let's have food forest. And so when you think about what this larger vision is, is, a, a, um, is, to, is to see that we are all living together on this living earth. And it's really super complex, and we can't reduce it to one story. It is complex. We need good government. We can. Democracy does work. Democracy works better than authoritarianism, but it just takes a lot of work, and it's, 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 it's also um, – it can be trickier. That is right.
2: And a politics with purpose is a politics of joy, and I come to this work every day with joyful fight because that's how we win.
1: Well, I think there's been a concerted attempt, frankly, to uh, devalue the role of government. Government is a negative. All government is negative. Um, well, corrupt government is negative. <laughs> And I would warn people about get, listening to uh, politicians who've been bought off. Um, and that's kind of what's happening. So, But government of the people um, it. it is a government that you can trust, and ultimately, it's a smaller government because it solves problems uh, rather than just putting expensive band-aids on them. Um, so, uh, I, but we need to counter that argument, and we need to show people that um, that what good government looks like, and and what people's involvement looks like. But it's exciting; um, it's it's a coming together of people and meeting. Uh, since I've become. More politically active. I can't believe how I ever got along without all the wonderful people that I've met. It's been really joyous. My own personal opinion is that in order to extend, we're going to need to extend our democracy in order to deal with these problems uh, that we're facing. And that means uh, extending our democracy into our economic system. Others may disagree with me, but. Uh, I think we need a system which doesn't constantly channel wealth up to the top, where it denies the consumer classes the ability to buy the products that the system is producing and therefore causing constant crashes. Uh, This isn't necessary, but um, we need to all get involved and – Make better things happen. We can do
0: that. I, without a doubt. I'm down to the last minute. I know, I mean, because on that, I mean, Erin uh, Murphy, your website um, talked us about your parents and that their jobs came with health insurance and pension. And that's, my dad was a truck driver. My mom lived on his pension. We had dental care, you know, six kids, four-bedroom house. It was fine. And what's happened now, so there's so many issues. Only a minute 38 left. I, I just want to. I was uh, so happy for Shay to reach out with this uh, People Power Hour. Uh, we've had uh, the Secretary of State's office on, we had Common Cause Minnesota, we had COBOL, we had Healthcare for All, we had Isaiah, Jeff Piota, and then um, Aaron Murphy. So, anything else you'd like to say? We, we may want to continue this in some way. So, if anyone has ideas, if we want to do more People Power on AM 950, reach out to me at laura at am950radio.com. But last, last minute for you, Aaron. Well, I'll just say thank you so much for having me today. And I love this idea of People Power Hour,
2: I believe so deeply in what we can do together. I believe in uh, us. I believe in our listeners. Uh, I believe that together we will build a future, the one that we want. Um, But it takes our work. It takes our votes. And I'm in for that. And I hope you are, too.
1: Shay? Um, I don't know how I could follow that. That's exactly perfect. So let's get out and meet each other and do this joyful work, uh, all hands on deck. We can take the Minnesota Senate. We
0: can. Politics is not left, right, or center. It's about improving people's lives. We all do better when we all, all do, do better. better. Yay. <laughs> so get active, get vote, find your place. It's all, there's a lot of options out there. Find what works best for you. Um, and thank you so much for listening to this People Power Hour. Again, Food Freedom Radio will be back next week. And if anyone wants to listen to these, they are available on the Food Freedom Radio uh, podcast site. Thanks so much, Erin Murphy and Shay Hanson.